there are a lot of different ways to describe who a mountain meister is. You could say a meister is crazy, in a good way. They are interesting people, yes. But more than anything, what the meisters share is that they're really good at what they do. Except no matter how much you've mastered something, or meistered something, there's still risk. And unfortunately, death isn't an uncommon thing in this arena. It's scary to think that a situation can turn sour in the blink of an eye. But when you spend time in an environment with elevated risk, some might say that it's more than a possibility. It's just a matter of time. In August, uh, La Sportiva sent us down to uh, film some shots of me skiing uh, some of the volcanoes down there. And You stuff. might recognize that voice. That's Mark Kogelman from episode number four. He's a mountain meister. Hey, everybody. I'm Mark Kogelman, uh, brand ambassador at La Sportiva. And you are also a mountain meister. Don't forget about that, Mark. That's right. Second time around. Now, as we know... The Northern Hemisphere's summer is the Southern Hemisphere's winter, which makes for some pretty good skiing. Excuse me, about five and a half hours southeast of uh, Santiago is a place called Chian, and uh, in the mountains there, it's called Nevados de Chian, is the actual ski area, roughly, where uh, we were. But we were there to, you know, do some backcountry skiing, some um, photos, and a little bit of film work for uh, Sportiva. Mark wasn't the only person that traveled down to Chile for the summer, or winter, depending on how you look at it. Each season, thousands of skiers flock to the Southern Hemisphere to chase the powder. Uh, My name is Meredith Eads. I'm from Vancouver, and I'm a skier that rides for vocal marker Del Bello, um, a company, a local Vancouver company called Thuggies, and Intuition Liners. So what were you doing in Chile when you're from Canada? Well, the idea was that I was going down to compete in one of the free skiing world tour competition events that was taking place in El Colorado. Um, The last minute, the competition got canceled because there wasn't enough snow. And I had booked the trip already with a friend of mine, Caitlin Hughes, who's also a skier on the the tour. And so we kind of decided that we would go down anyways and just try and make the most of the trip. So, um, in typical adventurer fashion, Caitlin and Meredith head down to Chile anyway, even though the competition got canceled. Caitlin and I were trying to clip a ticket um, to catch a couple runs at the end of the day. You know, I think there was an hour left of skiing, and so we ran into Cameron and another athlete, Alex Romashko, in the parking lot. We were like, hey, are you guys done skiing? Can we, um, you know, have your tickets if you're done? And so, unfortunately, we weren't able to click, clip a ticket from them because they still had some work to do, but it just kind of seemed like they were cool people that we wanted to get to know, and they told us where they were staying. And so it was later that evening we had gone to their hostel where they were staying, and Mark was there as well, and we had all kind of... Met up and Mark. Oh, uh, Marathus was really fun. Like we uh, we met the night before actually um, at the Chillin Hostel where we were all staying, and in the common room area there, you know, 
there's just a ton of ski bums all hanging out, drinking wine, drinking beer, kind of partying. Um, but that night it was snowing, and uh, it was going to be my first powder day there, along with uh, most of the other people there. So everyone was just super giddy and getting stoked uh, on the powder day the next day. So we were, you know, just uh, swapping stories, and uh, we got along right away. And, yeah, it's just fun uh, fun meeting everyone that first night. It's ironic we ended up skiing together the next day. Meredith and Mark briefly met each other that night among the large group of people, but Mark went to sleep early in hopes of getting first tracks the next day. However, as sometimes is the case, things weren't that easy. And, uh, we got up there. We were the first car in the lot. We beat Meredith and her friend Caitlin. Those two were skiing together, but we beat everyone up to the mountain that morning. Um, we were the first car, first people on the mountain, but uh, unfortunately we had a snafu with a with the lift tickets and uh, our whole crew couldn't get our lift tickets until, um, you know, until like one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so. we were, uh, Caitlin and I were up, we were going to go ski some powder and they were kind of debating whether they were going to go up or not um, based on the, their ticket situation. So Caitlin and I got a couple runs in and then Meredith and Caitlin are skiing and having fun. We're all moping around upset that we don't have our lift tickets. So half the guys go down and back to the hostel and uh, Alex and I decide we're going to stay and go skiing. And join us. And that was my first time actually skiing with Mark. So it was, it was exciting, you know, having a new new posse to go shred the mountain with and a new Mark's party. Mark's pretty good at skiing, isn't he? Well, I can't actually tell you that from what I know about Mark now. Um, yeah, he is, he is a great skier. And, uh, but I, you know, I only ever got the opportunity to ski a half a run with him until this, uh, this, this that's coming up on mountain meister but first we've set up some deals with mark sponsors and we're delivering you guys some discounts and some free stuff and if any of these resonate with you check them out on our website mtnmeister.com the first is from io marino a 100 dollars voucher for you in order to be eligible to win the $100 voucher to IO Marino, you need to sign up for our newsletters. The links to both of them are on our website. IO Marino is also offering 20% off of every single thing on their online store that is fully priced. Use the code MEISTER at checkout to get that deal. Also, we've set up a deal with Zeal Optics, who is Mark's goggle sponsor. They're offering our listeners 25% off of any Zeal product in their online store. Use the code MEISTER at checkout for that as well. Before we took the break, you'll remember that Meredith and Caitlin are on the slopes, and Mark and Alex were about to join them now that they got the lift ticket situation figured out. But before we get into the gory details... There's something else you should know. Unfortunately, uh, most of our gear was in and out of the car because we were walking around the parking lot so much that my helmet uh, accidentally went down to the hostel with uh, Ian Wood and Cameron. Have you ever forgotten your helmet like that before? That is the first time in at least 10 years I can think of that I've gone skiing without my helmet. I've always been a huge advocate helmet person. I even uh, ski for a company called Shred Ready Helmets that make really, really good helmets. And the first day I was on the mountain, I actually had a really bad accident uh, crash skiing a groomer and I took out the fence 
and the patrol had to come up for that one too, but I was totally fine. I just was skiing a little little too fast for the uh, groom conditions. Huh. And so when you started skiing that day without the helmet, were you skiing differently, would you say? Yeah, I was skiing very differently, and I think I even told Alex that I was going to ski very conservative that day. Um, ski in control is how I put it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes when you think that way, something always seems to happen, you know? It's weird. So we uh, got off the chairlift and we were having a great time, you know, just laughing, screwing around because it was in the afternoon. The snow was a bit heavy, so we were, you know, it wasn't the powder day we thought it was going to be, but still, I mean, we were skiing in the middle of August, so we were having a great time. So we started down, we were... And we were, you know, it was like amazing snow and the viz was great. And so we were just shredding down the mountain and just so stoked and... Following the chairlift, um, they call that Hollywood style when you ski under the chairlift. <laughs> stopped at a couple of checkpoints, like, oh, let's go in that zone. Oh, there's some cool drops, like, let's go over there. And uh, I was just kind of following them because, you know, I was trying to hold back. So I was keeping up with them just fine. No one was doing anything too crazy. And uh, we eventually went uh, off the trail a little bit, you know, off the groomer, but nothing, like I said, too crazy. And we had stopped in one zone and it was kind of like, all right, let's go. And we were coming down and it was Caitlin first and then Alex, myself, and then Mark was behind me. And we just kind of were coming down this one little bowl that led back onto the cat track. And uh, I was going, uh, I wasn't even going that fast. I was going a moderate speed and I heard... uh, Caitlin went down. She's like, oh, watch out. There's a rock. rock. And then uh, it was already too late. There was what we call like a shark fin, which is a rock just barely submerged under the snow. Um, so what happens is a lot of rocks. And if a new snowfall comes in, it covers all the rocks. But they're still there. They're not buried. They're just kind of covered. You can't really see them anymore. And I caught my edge on it. And I uh, tumbled forward, did like a somersault with all my weight into another rock and that rock down there is volcanic it's very sharp so all the weight of my body was already on top of my head splitting my skull open um forehead to crown and then with all that weight i also had uh landed on the back of my neck fracturing my uh cervical one spine in uh four places and for those of you out there that don't know what a c1 is it's basically the the very most top of your spine where your neck is. So when people say they broke their neck, they usually broke their C1. So that fracture, you know, in four different places just kind of, you know, did me in pretty hardcore. Uh, There was a little bit damage to the artery. But, um, yeah, right away, like, I heard a snap, and uh, it scared me. And and I yelled, and um, either, I think Meredith heard me. I heard a scream, and I looked behind me, and Mark was on the ground and I didn't know if it was like, ah, I hurt myself or like, oh, damn it, I fell. <laughs> and I kind of looked back to Caitlin and Alex and I was like, is he okay? And Alex immediately was like, no, he's not okay. He's hurt. My head was cocked sideways a little bit because I knew something was wrong in my neck and it was making me do that. But at that point, I was like, nostalgic i was in a very weird zen kind of moment i don't know what if you look at the photos or the point of view footage 
you'll see that I'm very calm and, um, you know, just working on not panicking, you know, with all the avalanche and, you know, all the medical training we get for being out in the backcountry, the first rule is never to panic. You said that Zen state and that doesn't really sound like you. Can you try to describe what you were feeling there? No, you're totally right, Ben. That is not me. <laughs> if uh, anybody knows me, I'm like a big time loudmouth. So, um, yeah, it's not like I had my life go before my eyes or anything like that, but, um, I knew it was very serious and, um, yeah, I just started thinking about everything like in my life at that point, like my wife and, you know, my brothers and sisters, it's, it's very strange. Like, I don't know why it's not like my life was flashing before my eyes, but I was thinking about every one of my family at that moment. Cause I was like, is this it? Is this how I'm going to die? Like I was, you know, I've had crazy, crazy accidents and cotton avalanches and things before, but nothing like this. This was like a simple fall. I wasn't going fast, but I suffered such trauma to my head and neck. I've never had an accident like that before. Did you have any feeling of like guilt? Uh, yeah, actually that's funny you say the guilt thing. Cause I was like, I couldn't believe that I wasn't wearing my helmet. And I was like, this is the one time it was the very first run I might add that day. So I was a little upset with myself at that moment, but that was kind of taking a back door to everything else I was mm-hmm. thinking about, you know. Yeah. But um, I mean, I felt guilty later because I put my wife through this stuff all the time. Like I have an ACL, MCL, meniscus tear in my left knee, ACL repair in my right knee, three hernia repairs, degenerate disc disease in my back, over ten concussions, jaw repairs. Like I put my body through it, and um, I feel more and more guilty because putting your loved one like my wife through this has been kind of tough on her you know Mm -hmm. so when it comes to guilt i definitely felt guilty about that have you ever thought about what you would think if your wife put herself through this stuff yeah you know how i talked about not panicking um i think i would totally panic (laughs) Mm -hmm. if uh if i got one of those phone calls I've never actually been a part of something that was so such an emergency that, you know, somebody's life is on the line. So, you know, the first thing I looked at him and he's just kind of lying on the ground propped up on one arm and he's he's I'm like, what's wrong, Mark? Like, what what did you do? Where you hurt? He's like, my neck really hurts. I hit my head on I hit my head on something and my neck really hurts. And I was like, okay. And so I started to. Um, I took off my skis and I ran up to him and when I got to him I saw blood everywhere and that's kind of that was the first indication that oh shit this is really really not good at this point things are in a state of emergency Mark has a broken neck damage to one of his arteries and blood is quickly leaving his body Meredith said that she has little training in wilderness medicine But under the circumstances, she did a good job, staying calm and moving quickly. I saw that he had a a hole in his hat, and so, and he had said that he hit his head, so I lifted his hat, and that to me was just pretty alarming, because when I lifted his hat, basically his entire scalp lifted off with it. 
And I didn't want him to know how bad this, the situation was. So I just put the hat back down and I immediately just started putting pressure on where I thought the cut was to try and get the bleeding under control. But, you know, my initial thought was like, holy shit, what do I do? And if we don't do anything about this, this guy might die. And so that was a pretty sobering moment. You know, you go from having the best pow day in South America to, oh my God, I might have somebody die in my hands right now. The first aid process continues. And remember, although they're at a ski resort, this is in a remote part of Chile. Spanish speaking among the group was limited and time was ticking. I definitely took a moment to kind of figure out, like I had the moment of what the hell do I do now? Um, And the whole thing's on GoPro footage. And so I was able to look back and I can kind of laugh at myself because the, the first thing was like, we need help. We need help. And so I turned to Caitlin and Alex who were starting to come to this, the scene. And I was like, call for help. <laughs> and, you know, when I think about that, it's like, who are you going to call? Like you have a, an American cell phone, you're in Chile. Like, but you can't just dial up 911. And so then it was kind of like, and after that moment of what do I do? It was, I was able to kind of, have some rational thought and I was like okay Alex somebody needs to go get ski patrol right now and then it was like okay Caitlin I need you to go into my bag and I need you to get something to put pressure on this wound so we can stop the bleeding and from there on out it was I was able to kind of direct what needed to happen I wouldn't say that I was the best at verbalizing it because I knew in my head what I wanted Caitlin to do but a part of it was I didn't want to say anything too much because I didn't want Mark to to get scared about how bad the cut was. There's blood everywhere. Um, my shirt, I was wearing a, a Lululemon uh, first base layer kind of shirt and it has a thumb hole. So it comes up to your fingers and then it goes up. And my entire arm where I was putting pressure on the head it, is blood, full of blood. And his hat is full of blood. And so... I guess what happened was Caitlin came and I don't think she realized the degree of the injury too, because I was just being maybe a little too calm for the situation. Um, So I was like, can you get something out of my bag so I can put pressure on this? And she kind of tosses me a a headband or um, a a bandana, but like doesn't hand it to me. doesn't help me put it on, just kind of chucks it at me and I'm holding Mark's head. And I'm like, I can't let go. Like in my head, I'm like, I can't let go of this, you know? So I eventually get her to take over holding the wound to to hold, like, put pressure on so it stops bleeding. We put that bandana on, and then I'm just looking for anything that I can cinch around his head to kind of create a tourniquet to stop the bleeding. And so (laughs) it's really funny. I just kind of turn to my backpack. It's almost like a a walking, talking advertisement, you know, like turn to my backpack and it's like branded. And then I open it up and you pull out a Nike running shoe and you pull out a Lululemon headband and, you know, is this going to work? Is this going to work? Is this going to work? And then finally I, I came across my GoPro chest mount and, you know, I was like, okay, this is it. And so just cinched the whole thing around Mark's head. And, and, uh, and that was kind of the, until as we were waiting for ski patrol to get there. So the GoPro doubled as filming Mark getting his life saved and saving his life. 
There's some good exposure for GoPro. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of, you know, you always wonder how people get these these crazy situations on GoPro and then here I am I'm like oh I I did that that was me I'm just having a great time and then what was a great time turns into this crazy situation that you like you could never fathom you're not going skiing expecting the worst eventually ski patrol comes but the next 48 hours are a fiasco for Mark We could have an entire podcast episode about that, ranging from what happened in the patrol tent at the bottom of the mountain. Kind of scary, but they were taking photos with their cell phones, and it was freaking me out because they were like texting them to their friends because they didn't even think I needed stitches. So To the ride in the ambulance from the patrol tent to the first hospital. And on the way to uh, the hospital... The medic in the back, it was very bumpy, and I told her I wanted to throw up, but they wouldn't let me because they couldn't move me because of my neck. And um, she actually got sick and threw up over top of me into a clear plastic bag right over my face. <laughs> so that, like, almost made me hurl right there. But I choked it down and waited it out and uh, eventually made it to the uh, to the clinic in Xi'an, which was unfortunately not much better than the uh, the tent at the bottom of the mountain with the doctors there. They did stitch me up right away. I got over 20 stitches in my head, so they at least they did that. But they, uh, they refused to move me until they had the money in the account to take me up to Santiago where I needed to get, you know, MRI, CAT scans and all that because the clinic in Xi'an just didn't have that kind of equipment, you know, or doctors for that matter. Say I did have to go into surgery right there. I wouldn't have been able to go because they don't have a neurosurgeon there. Hmm. So at that point, it was it was pretty much chaos. Um, they basically strapped me to a gurney and uh, tossed me on the floor. Didn't toss me. They placed me <laughs> on the floor, and I sat on that floor in that clinic in the uh, intensive care unit for at least 24 hours. Um, they put IVs on me and stuff, but they weren't feeding me or even speaking to me which was absolutely terrifying. For 24 hours, I literally just stared at the uh, ceiling. After the excruciatingly long wait, the situation resolved itself. Mark's travel insurance kicked in. He got life-flighted to another hospital in Santiago. And according to Mark, quote, it was the best hospital I've ever been to, and I'm a regular everywhere. This story about Mark and Meredith and the chaos that ensued afterward is intense and entertaining, but what's more interesting and more meaningful is how they reflect on it, how they've changed since something like this happens. That's what I was wondering. So a lot of times we hear people say things like, uh, like do things happen for a reason or things happen for a reason, but we're, normally we're talking about that in a positive context. Uh, do you believe in the things happening for a reason or almost fate? Uh, you know, I, I just don't really think about stuff like that. It's, I've never t- taken the time to think about it. I'm more of a, I guess, a realist. Mm-hmm. I just honestly don't put a lot of stock into stuff like that. I just, you know, I just thank God uh, Meredith was there. You know, my team did not panic. They handled the situation very professionally. Alex Ramashko went and got the patrol immediately. He knew uh, Meredith was on it. Caitlin was pulling stuff out of her backpack. You know, like, I was just happy I had such a great team 
there to support me. Um, I got nothing against spirituality or stuff like that. I just don't think about it that much. A similar topic of discussion came up when I was talking to Meredith. Her answer was a little different. Do you guys ever talk about what would have happened had you not taken that trip down to Chile? I mean, the competition got canceled. Yeah, I mean, I can't help but think sometimes the universe really wants you to be somewhere at a certain time because there was, as soon as the competition was canceled, I kind of considered going to New Zealand and doing some competitions there. And then Caitlin and I talked about it and it was like, oh, and I'd already booked the time off work. And so it was like, you know what, let's just go anyways. And, and it could have just as easily happened that I went to New Zealand or I didn't go at all. And, and so, and if the competition had have gone off, I wouldn't have been in uh, Nevados de Chian and I wouldn't have met Mark and I wouldn't have met Cameron. And, you know, Mark could have been by himself or he could have been with just Alex or, you know, there's so many what ifs and um, you just, you never know. And I, I just really think that when you come across situations like that, where there's a, a million different scenarios that could have played out where I wouldn't have been there or Caitlin wouldn't have been there. Um, that really makes you think like, okay, I, I was supposed to be here at that time. So was this fate? I don't know. I, I guess, yeah, fate, perhaps. I don't know if that's the right word, but I mean, you know, I like to think that things happen for a reason. And I think I, Caitlin and I went to Nevados de Chian and, you know, I, there's just, I just think that things happen for a reason. And I guess if you want to call that fate, like for sure, absolutely. Um, you know, I met Mark's wife out of this situation and she's a lovely person and somebody that I think if we lived in the same town, we would hang out a lot together. And, you know, I know that Mark and I will have a long relationship and all these other people. So yeah, I would say it's fate. I think, as I said, I think the universe wants certain things for you to happen and it will kind of guide you. And, you know, there's always these opportunities presented in front of you and you just have to choose whether you want to see that as an opportunity and take advantage of it or, or not. So, um, it's always, it's, it's just a path of left or right, left or right. Yes or no. Yes or no. And, um, I think likely you make those decisions based on where you are supposed to be, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if you do believe in a in fate, you have a very optimistic view of fate. It sounds like, um, considering this situation, do you believe? I guess in the more pessimistic version of fate. I, I mean, I'm sure there have been situations very similar to this one where something happened to a person similar to Mark, and there was no one there to help. Isn't that fate too? You know, it's, uh, and that's a, that's a hard, hard situation because, you know, I say things happen for a reason and how can you, you know, recently Andreas Franson and JP O'Claire and Liz Daly all passed away in, in Chile. And, um, you know, how can you say that that happened for a reason? And, and, you know, I have, you know, other friends and acquaintances that have died in the ski community and it's, it's devastating. And, um, and it's really hard to say that something like that happened for a reason. And, um, and I guess you just have to take, I guess for us, it would be an opportunity to really grow as an individual, you know, and, and appreciate those around you. And I read, um, an article, somebody was talking about how JP O'Claire was his idol, and, you know, he told him that he thought he was such a great skier and all these things. And, but he never actually told him like, 
you know, when I'm standing at the top of a line, I'm thinking, I want to ski this like JP Eau Claire. And, you know, so, and that really hit home to me. That was really something that I was like, yeah, I want to be more like that. I want to tell people in my life that I really care about that I think are amazing, why I think they're amazing and how they inspire me and how they motivate me to be a better person. So, you know, things happen that are good and things happen that are bad. And, and that's my trip was like that. It was like, went from cloud nine to rock bottom. And, um, and, you know, the next day was another pow day and we felt kind of bad going skiing and enjoying the snow while Mark is in the hospital. And, you know, and, you know, I missed a flight to go home. I lost my wallet. I lost all my GoPro footage, but then I met all these amazing people. So there's always things going good and bad. And I think, um, the important thing is how you choose to react to it and what you can take away from the situation. So it would have been tragic, absolutely devastating if, if the situation didn't work out in Mark's favor. I, like, I don't even, I don't even know how to imagine how I would react to that emotionally, but I do know that every bad thing that's happened, I try and take something away from it. And, um, I mean, fate does happen in bad, bad ways. And I don't know how to justify, um, you know, the loss of amazing people other than to try and really appreciate what you have and, and what's given to you. And, and, you know, people always say live life, life to its fullest. You never know when it's going to be your last day. You never know if it's going to be your last run. And I think that really is a, a telltale sign. As I was saying, like, you know, we're skiing pal the last thing that we think that anything is going to go bad. You just don't, you don't think that way. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I think that humans, uh, uh, that was a very good answer. I think that, we don't have the option, really, to consider those pessimistic views fate. It's just, it's too depressing. Um, yeah. It's funny, the, the, the definition of fate in the dictionary, the development of events beyond a person's control, regarded as determined by a supernatural power. Mm-hmm. To me, that doesn't sound like it's leaning positive or negative. Either way, it's just a situation determined by something out of our control. Yet... The synonyms of fate, destiny, luck, fortune, karma, all of those have these positive connotations, these positive applications. And I think that illustrates that we just force ourselves to have this optimistic view. It's our only choice. Absolutely. For Mark, going forward, things might change. Some may say this is a wake-up call, but that doesn't seem like the right term to me. We know these risks are present. You play with fire, you're going to get burned. The question is, do you want to play with the fire? I've had a lot of these accidents before, just not one to the brain like this, so or neck. Um, you, you have injuries, it messes with you psychologically, you think like you're limited in what you can do. But that only lasts for a year, maybe a year and a half, and then you're back to your old self. This one I'm not so sure about. I mean, this this one just really rattled me in the head. Um, I'm working with neurosurgeons now. I'm working with uh, neurologists now. While the neurosurgeon clears me and say I'll heal and I'll be back to my old self, the neurologist is telling me about, you know, you've been concussed over 10 times my memory is a little spotty right now, and my cognitive um, skills are not where they should be, actually. Like, um, 
I have problems coming up with words that normally come easy to me to describe things. Mm. So stuff like that just, you know, it's never affected me like this before. So I do think differently about, I am thinking differently about this ski season. Maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just ski a little safer. I sure, I sure won't forget my helmet from now on. (laughs) So that's interesting what you bring up about how time you know you wait a year and after the injury and then you kind of forget and we've heard things like time heals all wounds right um and it's incredible how as humans you you included as you just said and also myself you know we make mistakes or things happen uh, and then all of a sudden we go back to how we used to think for example a speeding ticket right we get a speeding ticket we tell ourselves that we're going to slow down and then a few months later we're back to our old selves yada 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 But then there's also this other side when something so traumatic happens to us that we never, ever, ever forget about it. Things like PTSD or just like these very traumatic events. Do you think that this was one of those instances where like you're really not going to forget about this? Like this is going to have an impact on you? You know, I can't speak to that right now because it's not ski season yet. I mean, it's just started out there. Um it's just starting now, but uh, the way the doctors talk to me, they're saying like, you know, no more getting hit in the head. Do not jump off cliffs anymore. Do not go to the terrain park. Do not hit hard pack. I'm like, you know, what if it's snowing? And they're like, no, nothing. You can't take a hit, not a rock, not a tree, not a simple, you know, hard pack snowfall. So like right now they're just freaking me out. And I think this is going to stay with me because you know, the neurologist is saying, like, I have a moderate chance of developing dementia now because I'm concussed over 10 times. But really, this last one is a really bad one to the effect that it's been two and a half, three months now, and I'm still having cognitive effects from it, you know, that are that aren't right. So maybe this time it will stick with me. We're adrenaline junkies. We absolutely love this stuff. You know, like a guy walking across the street jaywalking gets hit by a car um only an idiot would jaywalk a second time but i'm that idiot i crave that you know that rush and i love it just like so many other people out there skiing do so i don't know i mean i think honestly this time i am going to listen to them and a i'm never going to forget my helmet again and b i'm uh going to think about you know what i'm doing from now on even if it's, you know, a five foot air versus a 90 foot air, I'm going to still be scared probably. Um, it's, it's amazing to hear you talk about this because honestly, I'm not an adrenaline junkie at all. Um, but I can relate to things that you really love, right? You have things that you love. And in your case, the thing that you love is very dangerous. So you have to find that that very fine balance of like pursuing what you love without doing it irresponsibly. For somebody like me, who's not as much of an adrenaline junkie, the choice is normally much easier. Is uh, are you in a conundrum right now? Oh, totally. I mean, I don't. I'm you know I'm not I'm not in my forties or anything like that yet. I'm not ready to to hang it up. Um, I want to keep skiing skiing the way I ski. And if there's a camera on me or not, I always ski like this way. So yeah, I'm in a complete conundrum about it. I just you know I don't know how it's going to work out. I can't you know, not hold back. I, I always go for it. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I think I'm just going to have to learn to, to strap that helmet on and, uh, just enjoy skiing big, steep powder lines and 
you know, waving myself off the cliff for a change. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to talk about this stuff because I, I honestly don't think there is a, a right answer for everybody. It's all it all comes down to the personal decision that you make. As long as you're very knowledgeable about what um, all the forces that come into play. Uh, what is the takeaway here? If we had to narrow it down to one thing for our listeners, and this can be philosophical if you want, or it can just be a very tangible takeaway. Uh, I'd say first of all, definitely, uh, get traveler's insurance, buy traveler's insurance. If you're going to travel abroad and ski or mountain bike or do anything dangerous in general, um, I paid $130 for my insurance to be covered for a month. And the deductible was 500 bucks, and I was covered for $8 million. Now, the life flight was $20,000, and I don't even know what the hospital bills were, but I'm guessing they're in the hundreds of thousands. So uh, one big takeaway, buy your traveler's insurance. Um, mine was on Patriot Platinum. IMD it was very simple. It took five minutes online to do. I would totally recommend doing that. Um, as far as traveling uh, abroad goes, that's my biggest takeaway. Second, wear your helmet. Always wear your helmet. Yeah, those are those are the two two, two big uh, takeaways. <laughs> I love it. Can you imagine? Uh, you've probably thought of this. What if you didn't have travel ins- travelers insurance? I don't know. I don't think they would have left me on that floor in Xi'an if I didn't have travelers insurance. Because your insurance doesn't cover you down there. You know, it's it's not like anything else. Um, you you really. Really, really need that. I, I can't emphasize that enough. I mean, my wife reminded me two days before I left that I forgot to do it. And uh, I got, you know, all the guys we traveled with, we jumped on the same uh, same insurance plan. But uh, yeah, 130 bucks was totally worth it. 500 bucks for the deductible was totally worth it. And it's even cheaper than that if you adjust the uh, deductible rate. I just knew with my history that I was probably going to end up hurting myself. <laughs> You're an point. $8 million guy. I, I just didn't know, you know, it'd be to this extent. But yeah, I'd say traveler's insurance and uh, rock your helmet are the two big takeaways from this. Awesome. Mark Kogelman, former Mountain Meister, current Mountain Meister. Thank you for joining us today. Wonderful having you. Great talking to you again, Ben. Thanks. I'd just like to thank all my sponsors who made it possible for me to travel and uh, do what I do. That's La Sportiva, Zeal Optics, Alta Ski Area, Pal Gloves, and uh, Shred Ready and Io Marina Wool. Meredith Eads, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you. Well, congratulations on becoming a Mountain Meister. <laughs> thank you so much for having me as a Mountain Meister. I feel very privileged. And to the Meister fans out there, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a little different than what we normally do on the show. If you like this format, or if you hated it, or if there's anything else you love or hate, let us know. As usual, you can find highlights of all of our episodes and highlights of the amazing deals that we have going on right now on our website, mtnmeister.com. Enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen to this podcast. I'm Ben Shank, and you've been listening to Mountain Meister.